So because it's back to school time, how many exact days do you guys have? MICS, how many days do you guys have until you get back to school? Do you know? Have you counted down? Do you have the countdown going on? <laughs> You're like, two months, two months, please say two months, right? So it's, it's like a week and a half for most of you. Some of you, it's less, right, for public school. And so I thought to myself, like, as we're approaching back to school time, what should we be studying now? And I thought, man, if I were in high school again and I were headed back to, to school, what would I want to hear when I went to youth group, what were some things that would be useful to me? And so I thought we would do a couple back-to-school tips this year, some things that you could take with you as you start this new school year. It's kind of cool to be able to start a new school year because it almost means you can start fresh. There's like this new beginning this year. Some of you guys are moving for the first time into middle school, right, from sixth grade, and it's like this new time in your life, this new season where you get to like you could like change your name a little bit. Like I had a nickname that I didn't like when I was in high school, when I went to college and I changed that season of life, totally changed my name. And so like from then on, I was Rob. I was known as Rob, but before that I nicked, I'm not telling you. And uh, everybody just bought it because it was like a new season in life. So you get to do cool stuff like that now as you change seasons of life. And so I want to give you a few tips from God's word as you go back some things that you could take with you as you start your school year. Some of you guys, middle school, some are just going into high school, ninth grade. You're a freshman and all the cool stuff that comes along with being a freshman this year. And others of you old people are probably, some of you are about to graduate. This is your last year. You're getting gray hairs already. You're thinking about marriage and all the whole deal. So you're all in different stages, but there's some cool truths, some tips from God's word that we can take with us. And I think it'll apply to all of us tonight. So the series is called We're Back. And we're going to look at each letter of back, B-A-C-K. And so tonight we're, we're on the B, and the B stands for this. This is the tip for tonight. And each week we're going to go through a different tip for the next couple weeks. And so tonight's tip is believe. We're going to look at this concept of believe. When, when I was going to high school, it, how cool if someone had come alongside of me and said, Hey, Rob, as you go and you meet new people as you're going to walk hallways with people who don't know Jesus, as you're going to face influences and different temptations and things that are going to come your way, here's something you should take with you and that you should know. That you should never step foot back into your school without knowing what you believe. You see, so many of us go into seasons of our lives, we're into places where you're going to learn and people are throwing lots of information and knowledge and facts and things they call truth at you. And they're going to say, hey, listen, I want you to believe this. And it's kind of like, that's why I showed this video. I don't know if you've ever seen the Carbonero effect on TV. There's like, he does all these different, like crazy um, illusions to people. And it's like the most insane stuff that... I mean, like, you can't believe it even if you see it. And so people have reactions like that. Like, that was a simple one that he did there. But, like, his goal is to get people totally surprised and make them believe something that isn't true, that's so insane it just blows their mind. And they basically, you saw that girl's reaction. They just look at him like, uh, uh, what? That didn't just happen. You just blew an ice cream up. Like, how did that, how did you just do that? And he does all sorts of crazy stuff like that. And his goal is this. To get people to believe it. You see, when you watch a magic show and like you know exactly, I'm gonna spoil a magic trick for you. You ready? I'm gonna spoil one. Little handkerchief trick. Sorry if there's magicians in the room. I'm gonna like ruin your whole life right now, okay? The little, the little handkerchief trick where you make it disappear. You know what it is? It's a fake thumb. 
They have this fake thumb you stick over your thumb, and it's got this handkerchief hidden inside it. And so when you're doing the whole boom thing, you pull the thumb off, you reach into the thumb, and you pull the thing out. At some point, you kind of stick it back on and go, whoop, look it. Oh, I made it appear. Ruined it for you, right? Now, every time you see that trick, you're going to look at the guy's thumbs, and you're going to be able to see the one that's a little bit awkwardly large, right? And a little bit whiter than his other thumb. And you're like, that's really strange. He's wearing that, and you're going to know in your head, I don't believe that. I know how you're doing the trick. You didn't just make that handkerchief appear. You're wearing a fake thumb. And it's not, it's not interesting to you anymore. It doesn't catch your attention. It's not even cool. It's almost like laughable to see a magician do tricks that you already know how they're done. Because there's a big difference in that and then in what we saw up there. You don't believe it. You see, you know how it's done, and so you don't believe that he's actually able to pull that handkerchief out of thin air. You know how he's done it, and so you don't believe it. And when you don't believe something, it totally changes the way you look at it and look at the things around it. So as you're going through school and teachers are trying to teach you different things that may or may not agree with what the Bible says are true, and they're trying to get you to believe something, or your friends are talking to you about certain things, activities and different things in life that they think are great, and they're trying to convince you too that those things are awesome and they're okay and they don't dishonor God, and they want you to do those things with them, and you listen and you hear them say, hey, believe this. Do this with me. Participate. Come. It's okay. And your choice there is to say, do I believe it? Or do I know the truth? Don't go back to school. Don't step out of these doors tonight without knowing what you believe. Without being able to believe in truth. And so, as we look through some of these verses that I'm going to show you tonight, I want to show you the things that we should believe. Things that you can believe in and take with you to school this year. There are a couple different things that Jesus, that God, speaks over you whether they're promises or he's just talking about who you are in him, he's going to say some things that are true, some things that are trustworthy that you can believe. And when you believe these things, it gives you what we call this worldview, a perspective on the world. So everything else that comes at you, all these other claims and people trying to get you to believe different things, you now have a lens to look at them through And to be able to determine whether they're true or not, whether you should believe them or not, because you have a worldview. You have a a lens of truth to look through and say, no, 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 that doesn't line up. Or, yeah, that's right on. That's exactly what my God says is true. And so I just want to share a few verses with you that you can believe tonight and that you can take with you as you go back into this school year. And so the first verse is this. It's Romans 3.23. Some of you all know this verse. Some of you guys know this verse in Spanish and some other languages. Like, this is a very well-known verse. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the first truth that we know that the Bible teaches us about who we are is that each and every one of us is a sinner. We're born sinners. We're born broken. None of us are born worthy of the God who created us and loves us. We all fall short of perfection, and that's what he requires. 
And so all of us have this thing called sin. And it's our greatest need. We have the need of salvation. We have the need to be rescued because without a rescue, without salvation, without something stepping into our lives to fix it and to change it, that sin that you and I have damns us to a place called hell. That sin that you and I have, that disobedience to God that makes us imperfect, eternally separates us from the one who created us. And that's a pretty big need that you and I have. So many of us go through life thinking we don't need anything, we're good. Especially in America. We have so much luxury and comfort and pretty much everything we ask for for the most part. Even the poorest people in our country eat like kings most of the time. Our homeless are looked at as royalty by the poor of most of the rest of the world. And so in a place like this, in a culture like this, I understand that it can be difficult for us to understand that concept of need. I don't need anything. But the Bible says you absolutely do. You might have things now temporarily, but your greatest need isn't for this moment. Your greatest need is for eternity. That we are all, because of sin, separated from God. And He is who each of us depend on. And so for us to have the promise of salvation, the promise of hope, the promise of having eternity with Jesus, we need this thing called salvation. And so that's a truth about you and I, that we're all sinners. We're all broken and hopeless without Jesus. You and I need Jesus. And until we believe that truth, we'll never seek Jesus. Until we believe the truth that we actually have a need, you'll never actually go look for the solution. It's like not being hungry. Well, some of us eat no matter whether we're hungry or not, right? Like, amen. But hunger is a sign of that, right? For the most part, hunger is a thing that tells you, hey, you have a need, Rob. Like, you're hungry right now. You need to go get some food so you get calories. You're not grumpy, Rob. You need to go eat some food right now. Or we get thirsty, right? And your tongue gets really, like, swollen and dry and gets that film on it, and your cheeks like kind of pucker up, Ugh, you're feeling it right now, and you're like, and you, it feels like sandpaper in your mouth, and that's called thirst, right? You get thirsty, and so that tells you, hey, you have a need, you need to drink some water right now and hydrate, and buy some really expensive water like Happy so you can be like super hydrated, right? Five dollars a bottle, you'll be the high, most hydrated person on earth. But it's a need that tells you that you need to seek this thing out. And so this thing called sin, a lot of us today are so blinded by our luxury and our comfort, we don't recognize this huge need that we have. The separation between us and God called sin. That we're not right in a relationship with our God and we need Him. And when we recognize that need, it allows us to see that there is a Savior named Jesus. And he's holding his arms out for you and I. So the first thing you and I need to recognize, this would be my first tip, is realize that you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Just like me. The second thing that we need to believe that's trustworthy and we can believe is found in John 1, verses 9 to 13. Let me read this for you. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, check this out, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor the will of flesh nor the will of man, but of God. Here's what we can believe tonight. That while we have this big need called sin and it's separating us from God and it means that we're awaiting punishment for eternity, that without Jesus, when we, get to, when we die one day, which we all will, we'll get to the gates of heaven and we will have nothing to say to God when he says, why should I let you in? We'll stand there speechless and say, well, I have nothing. But John tells us in this verse that in our greatest need, Jesus, the Son of God, who is perfect, came to us. And he said, I love you so much that even though you've sinned, even though that you're not perfect, I love you and I'll step in your place. I'll be punished for you. And he went to a cross and died on a cross where you and I should have died. And then he rose again three days later to defeat death and sin and to give us life. And that's what John's talking about here. If you believe that you can have salvation in Jesus and Jesus only, then God will make you his child. So there's two things there you can believe, that God sent Jesus to save you. And he offers it freely to you today, this very night. And then if you do believe in him and you say, Jesus, I trust in you, I believe in you, that your death was enough to save me and I give you myself, Jesus, if you believe that, it says that you can also believe that he will look at you and take you, rescue and make you his child. No longer an enemy of God. No longer being condemned to go to hell, but he looks at you and says, I love you, and I've died for you, and I save you, and now I look at you and call you child. Rob, you're my son. You're no longer my enemy. That changes how you view everything. When all of a sudden you are no longer hopeless and lost and have no idea why you are on this rock floating around in blackness of space for no purpose, when the scientists tell you that everything's just going to spread out and lose energy and heat and light and everything will eventually just die. That's what science says we have to look forward to in life. And they want you to believe that. But God looks at you and says, there's another way. I'm offering you eternal life. And when you believe that Jesus can save you, and that when you trust in Jesus, he makes you God's child. To live with him forever at his side with wonders you can't even imagine with your brain right now of what eternity with God will look like, it changes the way you live right now. It changes how you view other people. It changes how you make your decisions and the things that you run after and want and chase and love. Because now you understand that life isn't just going to be about having as much pleasure as I can right now and living it up and then just dying one day. Life is about the rest of eternity at the side of the Creator God of the entire universe. You and I have a greater purpose when we believe that.
You'll treat your parents different when you believe that. You'll treat your friends and your enemies different when you believe that. You will act differently in school and talk to strangers and live your life and make choices differently when you actually believe that. You look at God and say, I believe I am your child. So the first thing was that we believe we're sinners and broken and we have a need. We believe that Jesus has said, I will save you if you trust in me. And we believe that God takes that and says, I'm calling you my child, and he changes your identity. You realize that no one in the world can look at you and tell you what you're worth anymore? That bully at school can't come up to you and make fun of you? I mean, he can if he wants, but it's not going to mean anything because the God of the universe has already looked at you and said, you're so valuable, I sent my own son to die for you. And you care about what that snot-nosed kid over there says about you? What those mean girls think and gossip about you? I've already spoken over you. I've told you that the price tag that's on you is as costly as the blood of the Son of God Himself who died for you. That's how much you're worth. That's how valuable you are and how loved you are as a child of God. You will approach school and your friends and the way the world views you differently when you believe that God can make you His child. The next verse I want to show you is still John, but it's in another letter. It's in the book of 1 John 4.16. And we're talking about God's love. And so I want to read this verse to you. It says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. You see, if God's looking at you saying, hey, you're his child, and you believe that, there's something that you can know there and believe as well. That God loves you. Sounds like such a simple sentence. You see it on bumper stickers. You hear people say it all the time, almost like just jokingly to one another. And it is probably the most profound statement ever spoken. God loves You. Your creator. Look down at broken you and I. And instead of wiping it out and starting again, he said, I'll die in your place. I love you so much. You can believe you are loved. I don't know if you're here tonight and you feel like there aren't many people who love you. Some of us have trouble in our families. Some of us don't have much of a family at all. Some of us go through life and we're wondering right now, does anybody love me? Nobody says it to me. Nobody seems to care. Tonight, God's telling you in 1 John that you can believe that He loves you. 
the most important one, loves you. And this is what kind of love he has. Are you ready for this? It's not just some silly love that sometimes we get with these like butterflies in our belly and we get a crush on somebody. The love that God gives us is this. Are you ready for it? It's Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. It says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to talk about love? You and I think we know love so well. We think that we know what it means to love somebody, and the second someone insults us or hurts our feelings that we love, we're already mad at them. We're already dis- dissing them and being like, get out of my life, I'm done. We're already so like frustrated and jaded and bitter and hurt that our love is just so emotional and up and down. It's not dependable. But God says there is nothing, nothing that can separate my love for you. Not a thing. And he goes through this list of things that are almost unimaginably huge. To say, I challenge it all. You will not lose the love that I have for you. You can depend on me. You can trust me. You can put your heart and your life in my hands. I won't let you down like everybody else will. I love you in a way that can never be broken. You can believe that. You can take that with you because you will look at the world differently. No longer wondering, am I loved? Am I valuable? Does anyone care about me? You can walk with confidence knowing that the creator of the universe loves you and he loves you so much you can never lose it. It can never be broken. He will never let you down. And finally... Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. I want to read this to you real quick because there's something awesome that happens as we actually trust in Christ and receive this love that God gives us. Something happens in us. Look at Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That love does something to you. You see, it seals you with a promise, and this promise sends you someone called the Holy Spirit, who is God Himself. It says that God loves you so much that He literally resides inside of you. That's how intimate God becomes with you. His Holy Spirit lives in you and the very power of God is in you. And you say, I'm a God? No, you're not a God. I'm a superhero? No, you're not a superhero. But the next time God calls you to something that freaks you out and that makes you scared or that causes you to tremble and say, I can't do that, God. How are you calling me to do that? He says, do you forget what I can do? The God who created the entire universe? 
The God who's holding everything in place right now as you and I are sitting here in this room, He's holding it all in place, causing it to exist. This unbelievably powerful God that it says can do far more than you could ever create with your head and your mind. Think about the greatest act of power you could ever imagine. It doesn't even come close to what God is capable of. It's so far beyond. Ask him the most difficult prayer request you could ever present to God and say, I know this this seems impossible, God, and it will never be even close to what God's capable of doing. And that God, that power, lives within you. So when he says, hey, I want you to walk over and do this really scary thing, and you say, God, but I'm scared. I don't think I can. He says, I'm in you. I have the power to do anything and everything. Believe in the power of God in you. And as you go back to school this year, you can go back with confidence knowing that as you abide in Jesus and he abides in you, the very power of God is in you to accomplish anything he calls you to accomplish. If you trust him, and if you use this word we're studying tonight, you believe in the things God's spoken over you. That's the first tip I have for you guys for this school year that I want you to believe in these things that God's spoken over you. You go back with a worldview that says, I was a broken sinner, but Jesus loves me so much. He's changed me and made me his child and filled me with his power, and I can trust and believe in the God who loves me. Will you bow your heads with me for just a minute? The end of that verse, Ephesians 3.21 says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ. And we do something here at Firehouse. We believe that we are the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters, children of God that make up this church. And that's why we're together tonight. And we have these things called life groups that after this we break up and go into life groups so that you guys can be together and pray for one another. Encourage each other. Pray for the power of God to give you the courage to do the things you might be scared to do tonight. And I want to encourage you, take advantage of being the body of Jesus. And as we're a body together, know that you're among family. And I want to ask you a couple questions. Because there might be some of you tonight that are here, and you're like, I've never actually believed any of this. You're saying believe, and your whole sermon's been based on the word believe, but I haven't believed that I'm a sinner. I haven't believed in Jesus. Maybe tonight, God's touching your heart, and God's calling you to say, you are broken, and you do have a need, and you're destined for hell. And you're wondering what you'll say when you get to heaven one day and stand at the gates, and God says, why will I let you in? And you're like, I have no answer, Rob. Tonight, can I just offer you the answer? Can I offer you the opportunity to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He loves you enough to die for you if you just trust Him? If you've never trusted Jesus, but tonight you want to believe, will you do me a favor? Can I pray for you? Will you just slip your hand up in the air so I can see your hand and pray for you tonight? 
That's me. Like, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to be saved and forgiven of my sin. I want an answer if I were to die tonight and go to the gates of heaven to be able to say, God, you can let me in because I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight, will you slip your hand up? That's me. Pray for me, Rob. You can put your hand down. We're going to pray for you in just a second, but before we do, let me just talk to the rest of you tonight. There's some things here that we mentioned that you know, you've been to church, you know, you're saved. You've been hearing these lessons, but believing it with all your heart in a way that causes you to really live it out, you're not doing that. And if you were honest with yourself tonight, you'd have to confess, like, I don't believe it in a way that makes a difference, but I want to tonight. Tonight, I want to lift my hand up to Jesus and say, I believe these things you've spoken over me, and I want to live with power, and I want to live for you, Christ. If that's you tonight, I want to pray that God gives you courage and boldness to do that. Will you just slip your hand in the air and say, Rob, will you pray for me tonight? That's me. Thank you. Anybody else just raise your hand up? I'm in the same boat with you. I need prayer tonight. Will you raise your hand up and say, like, I'm going to be honest I haven't believed these things the way I should, but pray for me that I do. Thank you for raising your hands. Let me, let me pray for you right now. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to look at sinners who are broken and say, I'm sending my son. And Jesus, if there are those in the room, those who raise their hands and others that might not have, who don't know you as their savior, I pray God that tonight they would receive you as their rescuer and savior. And Lord, for others who are being honest and we're saying, Lord, we haven't believed like we should. We haven't trusted you when you are so trustworthy. Will you put that in us, well up your power within us, your Holy Spirit, to give us courage and boldness and faith to believe you in these things and to follow you. We love you, Christ, and we give all this to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.